0: All right, so we'll say good morning. Let's, uh, let's begin. So we left off, today's daf is We left off on the bottom of chav daler amud five lines up on the bottom. Amrah papa. Rab papa said, therefore, so we'll say, remember again, we're dealing with the discussion of the, actually the episode on the Mishnah where Rab Amnil received the gift from a non Jew, from a Gentile, on Yom Tov. And he, deci- he said, he made the statement that as much as I'm technically permitted to go and accept it, I choose, I choose not to. So the Gimarcha Amr Ha'apahil there therefore the halacha is Nachi Shehibidon Nisra'bi Yom Tov. If a Gentile gave a Jew a gift on Yom Tov, so I remember the whole question, the whole issue that comes up with the receiving the gift from the Gentile is, is this item considered to be muchan? Is this item considered to be prepared at the onset of Yom Tov? Meaning that was it in existence, was it in existence at the, or a usable state at the, at the beginning of Yom Tov? And therefore, again, would it therefore be permitted for Yom Tov use? So the Gemara says, Yom <laughs> Tov, If, again, whatever the nechri brought, if this type of item, now this is assuming it's talking about produce over here, if it was mechobor, if it was still attached to the ground, meaning again, let's say, for example, they're talking about now a crop. So let's say this type of crop has not yet been fully harvested, so therefore most of it you'd find still attached to the ground, Osr, that loch is you may not partake of that particular item because the assumption is that when did the Nahri harvest it? He harvested it on Yom Tov itself and therefore again it's asser this is very interesting and therefore at night, and therefore when Yom Tov is over, so you can't just use it immediately, but rather you have to use it means the amount of time that it would have taken the nahri to do this particular Melacha after Yom Tov, so let's say for argument's sake he brought you apples, and apples are still on tree, they have not been yet, they have not been harvested, and it takes uh, three minutes to harvest an apple, so it means that you're a slow harvester so it means that at the end of Yom Tov you can't just eat the Apple one, two, three, you have to go ahead and wait three minutes afterwards. But I will say we're not going to get into it now because of time. But Rashi records a fascinating discussion about does this mean, let's say, on Yom Tov Rishon, Yom Tov Shri, meaning, let's say the Nakri brings me the apple on Yom Tov Rishon. And halacha lemaisa is clear. The apples are still have not yet been harvested. So He plucked that off the tree. The halachic assumption is he plucked it off the tree today. The Gemara tells you to wait shiasu. That I'm after yom tov rishon. So meaning that night after yom tov rishon, I have to wait three minutes. But on yom tov Shina, I could eat the apple. Or does it mean no bichdei shiasu means? after Yom Tov in totality, after Yom Tov Rishon, after Yom Tov Sheni, Surashi records a discussion about this, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Mechaber actually paschings, it only means you have to wait until after Yom Tov Rishon. The Ramah, quotes Yish Omrim, that says you should wait even until after Yom Tov Sheni as well. Okay? So the Gemara says the following, and if, again, if this type of item is not within, is not meaning, let's say again, he gave me an apple, but lamaisa again apples have already been harvested then the haloch is the following, as long as I know that the nechri is coming from within the tchum, mutter. Then Lamaisa i permitted to go ahead and partake of the gift. Tap of However, again, if the naqr is coming outside of the tchum, then usr. Then Lamaisa, again, I might not partake of the gift. Rashi points out something very interesting. Rashi says, He says, lo shamati tam I didn't, I haven't heard a good reason why the tchum comes into this. He says, the Shum because as if it's because a muktzah, am I mortally Israel Achher? Vimi shum shenaseh bo israel b'shvilo imkeli Israel. Amir nami asid. The Achri he skipped down a little bit. He says v'yesh lomar the gabbe israel tumin derabbanah lo achmer kuli hay v'dayon im asruhu alze. Suppose I say is very interesting. So the idea is that this seems to be an additional gather to avoid any type of amira lenochri, any type ultimately again of. Of instructions to a non Jew to do malacha on my behalf for Yantov. Therefore, again, if it comes from outside of the Tchum, it's going to be Asr. However, Vahababishri Yisraelza, muter li Yisraelza. But something that is brought for this particular individual, meaning Rabbos as much as if it comes from outside of the Tchum, it's going to be Asr, it's only Asr for who? It's only Asr for the individual for whom it was brought. But for someone else, for another Yisrael, it will be Mutr. Amrah barafuna, Amrav. Hasulchar Amasmaim was another very interesting case. If you go ahead and you plug up, you plug up a channel of water on Yomtov, on excuse me, on Erav So understand what you're doing over here. You have a little, if you can imagine, you have a I'll call it a river. You have a little, you, then you 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 have a little stream that runs through your that runs through your property. You plug up the stream you plug up the stream. Now by plugging up the stream, what are you essentially doing? You're, you're trapping, so to speak, the fish that are in that particular area. So remember again, our whole peric is talking about the halachas of trapping. If you plugged up, we'll call it the canal over Yom Tov. The next morning you go out and what do you see? There are fish streaming now in that plugged up area. Mutar in the halacha is that they motor. say, why they motor? Why they motor? Because that, the act of plugging up the canal prior to Yom Tov is effectively an act of tzedah. So you've, you've essentially, you've, you've trapped the fish prior to Yom Tov. And as long as you've trapped the fish, the fish prior to Yom Tov, Lameis again, you are permitted to go ahead and chap them on Yom Tov itself. So the Gemara says, From the words of, from the words of our Rebbe, we will learn the following. So he says, first of all, look at Rashi just a moment. So small, you plug it up. When you, when you plugged up the canal, the fish that was... The fish that were in there, you did all of this on Arab Yom Tov. The fish that were therefore in there at the onset of Yom Tov are the fish that remain there all of Yom Tov, and therefore, again, they're Huzman. Therefore, therefore they are. Therefore, they are considered to be prepared prior to the onset of Yom Tov. So the Gemara says the following: you know, From the words of our Rabbi, we can learn the following: Chaya shekanina bepardes that if, a, if you have a chai, a chai is, an, in, is a, an, an, un, an undomesticated animal, a deer. So if you have a deer that made its home in an orchard. So a deer goes into an orchard, decides to make its home in the orchard. It does not require any kind of preparation. Meaning that you are allowed, that, 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 that deer is considered to be prepared for use on Yom Tov. So to look at Rashi just a moment. So the, why does he bring down an orchard? Because an orchard is considered as an enclosed area. So if it came into the enclosed area, and what happens? So we Suppose listen to this. So the idea over here is, is talking, it's talking, sigmar is saying, if I plug up the channel on Erev Yom Tov, the fish that are stuck in the channel are considered to be prepared for Yom Tov use. I could them for Yom Tov use. So the Gemara says, we see from here that what? That if you have a Chaya that made itself at home in, in an orchard, and it made itself so at home that what? That it gave birth there, that the child that it gives birth to in the orchard is considered to be prepared for Yom Tov use. Prepare for Yom Tov use, and therefore come on Yom Tov, you're allowed to go ahead and shecht it. Why Rabosa? Because again, the paradise is, is an enclosed area, and the newborn, I guess we'll call it the calf, whatever you call a young deer, little deer. Right, so the, the little deer can't go ahead and get out. Therefore, it's considered to be prepared just in the same way that the fish that are in the plugged up channel are considered to be prepared as well. Amrav Nachman, Nafal Chavran Beravrasa. So Rav Nachman said Our our friend has fallen into a great dispute Our friend is a reference to Rav Chista In other words, what Rav Nachman was saying was well, wow, Rav Chista really just stepped into a minefield. He just made a major mistake. Others have different names associated with this episode. So, according to this version, it was Rav, Rav Huna who said, "From the words of our Rebbe, we learn that a chaya that made itself at home in the orchard and gave birth in the orchard does not. Its baby does not require any kind of preparation to be used on Yom Tov, because the fact that it's inside the enclosed orchard makes it prepared for Yom Tov." And in this version of Nachman said, "Nafal bar Chavrin Baravrasa, Our The son of our friend has fallen into great trouble. So the son of our great friend over here is Rabbah, the son of Rafuna. Okay, either way, Rabbah, the Yemar is saying is that the one who made this statement equating the case of the Chayyev that gives birth in the Pardes to the case of the plugged up stream has made a grave error. How so? Hasam Loka avid meysah there is a fundamental dispute, difference between those two cases. What's the fundamental difference? In the case of the stream, what did you do? You did a miSA. you plugged it up. The act of plugging up the stream is in and of itself a, 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 an act of what we call hazmana, of preparation. But again, in the case of the orchard, what have you done? You haven't done anything. The fact the Chayot swanters in there and the gives birth in there, you have not done anything to prepare anything for, for, for use. So the Gemara says, And are you going to say that lamaisa again, that for the baby animal, you don't require a zimun. And we even have a that, that, that objectively contradicts this. The brisa says that if you have an animal, again, essentially, kinnunah, now that I think about it, really means like, like, I don't know if it's the right term to use by larger animals, nested. Nested a kan is a nest. I don't know why I didn't know this before. A kan is a nest. So the idea over here is that the larger animal is nesting. Nesting, i.e., is coming to a place to give birth to its young. So the bracha says that if you have a chaya that gave birth in the pardes, in the orchard, tzrichal If you want to go ahead and use that animal on Yom Tov, it has to be prepared already from erev Yom Tov. now said the assumption over here is we're talking about the baby, that if you want to use the baby prior to Yom Tov, you have to, excuse me, on Yom Tov, you have to have prepared it on Yom Tov, with Lik Shar And if you want to use a well say we saw a seaport drawer yesterday, that's the very, that's the bird that takes flight and tries to elude its captors. If you want to use a seapur drawer on Yom Tov, you must tie its wings in order that it not fly away, or excuse me, in order that it not get exchanged with another seaport So when do you have to tie its wings? What is this talking about? An <laughs> Erev Furthermore, again, excuse me, in order that I not get confused with its mother and in fact this these words this is testimony they came directly from and so the Gemara answers to Yufta. so we'll say, what do you see from here you see from here that the mere fact that a Chaya wanders into a paradise, which happens to be enclosed and gives birth there is not enough to allow the, kid, the baby to consider to be prepared for Yom Tov use rather you see from here explicitly that in order to use that baby on Yom Tov you must have explicitly prepared it prior to Yom Tov. So the Gemara says, Do you really require that the animal be prepared for use on Yom Tov? Meaning that should the animal be set aside, actively designated for use on Yom Tov, on Erev Yom Tov? So the Gemara says, We learned, We learned, We'll say we had this earlier. Beishan both agreed that if you designated birds, this was, remember, this was the case of the dovecote, if you designated birds, Inside the dove coat, and then on Yom Tov you come and you find them outside of the dove coat, <laughs> sha'surin, that they are usur, Because you will say the assumption is that the birds that you find on the outside of the dove coat are not necessarily the same birds that you found that you designated on the inside of the dove coat. But I'm when is that true? So we'll say, when is this true? This is true with doves that live in the dove coat, doves that live in the attic. And birds, we had this yesterday, birds that nest on the baskets outside of mansions. So these are the type of birds that are ultimately all made to fly away. Therefore, again, if you don't find them, where you left them, where you designated them, you assumed that another set of birds came instead. But geese, chickens, and Herodian doves, the chaya or for that matter, a chaya, an animal that went ahead and nested and gave birth to its young in an orchard, mutarin. These are all mutter. why? Ve'ein srich and zimun. And they do not go ahead. They do not require any type of zimun. They do not require any type of preparation. So we'll say, see from here that what? That the so you see again that there are some of these animals That do not require zimun So the Gemara says furthermore but durar, And the seaport Again remember that's the same bird we mentioned before The bird that is a very free-spirited bird Does not want to be called You have to tie its wings On air of Yom Tov If you want to use it on Yom Tov In order that it not get confused with its mother In order that it not get confused with its mother and furthermore, both say that if you have birds, if you have birds, very interesting. Mikusharin and are talking about the following cases. Mikusharin are the cases of the birds that had their wings tied prior to Yom Tov. Minu noim means the means the birds that you literally lifted up and put back down as a demonstration that you were coming to that you are coming to designate it. So if you find these birds, they flew away somewhere. So you find them now in a pit or in a, or in the house or in a, in a cave. They're permitted. Why are they permitted? Because the fact that they've changed location doesn't make a difference. You really, you know that's the bird. Either you recognize the bird, or lemaisi you see that the wings are tied. Lemaisi you can go ahead and take them even if they changed location. However. But if those birds climbed up a tree, you can't go and get them. But that's for an unrelated issue, which is, That's an issue, a general issue, a prohibition of climbing a tree. On Shabbos and Yom Tov, boy, this is a good one to know. Right? No, no climbing trees on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Why? Because again, you may come to detach a branch. So because you may come to rip off a branch, ripping off a branch is one of the lametes Malachos of Kotser, Therefore, again, if the bird scaled the tree, you may not go up and get it. And I will say, and if you find, if you find someone else's bird that has been designated, and let's say, for example, you know that it's someone's designated bird, or you see that there's a bird with its wings tied, even though you might find that on your property, you may not go ahead and get benefit from that. You can't take that bird, because that bird is someone else's active property. So the Gemara says, So what do we see? The point is, we we now have a contradiction. All of that information was really just to give us one basic piece of information, which was what? This price has said that the Chaya Shekinina, that when the Chaya comes into the orchard and gives birth there, that Lamaisa, the animal is permitted and it does not require zimun. That contradicts what we just said before, because we said before that Shekinina cannot be consumed on Yom Tov without proper zimun. So the Gemara says, Amrad lo kasha. it's not a contradiction. It's talking about two different animals one Bryce is talking about the baby, one Bryce is talking about the mother. Oh, look at Rashi, it's the last two short lines of Rashi. Bevlad so here's a distinction. So answer number one says the Gemara is when the price says that the animal, the, the the animal, the does not require zimun. What is that talking about? That's the baby. Why doesn't the baby require Zimun? Because since the baby is in the orchard, since the orchard is enclosed, the baby is a, the baby can't get out. So because the baby can't get out, the baby is by definition prepared for Yom Tov use. When did the Bryce say that said the animal does require Zimun? Who does that refer to? That's the mother. Oh, so the mother ultimately, again, has the ability to leave the paradise. And therefore, again, the only way you could possibly use it is if you are mazaminate is if you designated it prior to Yom Tov. That's answer number one. So the Gemara says... Is that true? All you need to do if you want to use the mother on Yom Tov is to designate it and that's not true. Remember, what was the opening discussion of our Mishnah? Simply having an animal in an enclosure is not enough to make it prepared for Yom Tov use. What does it have to be? What does it have to be? It has to be trapped it has to be trapped, it has to be actively trapped to the point that what? That you could very easily get it. You could very easily, remember our, our technical term, you could very easily chop it on Yom Tov. So simply, if I have a Chaya in a paradise, which could be a large enclosure, and I simply mizamin it by saying, I'm going to eat that Chaya in Yom Tov, that's not proper zimon, that's not proper preparation. Therefore, the Gemara says, Amrach, here's a distinction. Idi vi E D V E D V D both both prices are dealing with the baby. I so what's the issue? Ha begina has muchal ear, ha begina shaina smuhilier. So what says the gives a very interesting answer. Ash ba iluya. When the price says that you could go ahead and partake of you could use you could check the baby that's ultimately in the Tov. What is that referring to? That's a paradise that's close to the city. Because it's a paradise that's close to the city, when I know that that chaya has given birth to that baby already prior to Yom Tov, my, my intention is to go ahead and use that baby because, again, it's accessible to me. As opposed to the braisa that says that Lamaise, you can't use the baby. The baby is not considered to be uh, Zuman, that it's not considered to be prepared. Ismaise is talking about a garden or a gina, a paradise that's far from the city because it's far from the city, the animal is not immediately accessible, because it's not immediately accessible, therefore, I don't have intention to use it on Yom Tov, and therefore I may not. Okay? And I will say, that indeed, by the way, is ultimately, the shukhnar codifies this case with the, with the paradise and uses this last distinction, of ah, Vam Okay, so says says, so therefore, halacha maisa, the brysos are not contradicting each other. The, so here's what we know when we come out of this. The fact that the Chaya the chooses to nest in the pardes does not go ahead and make the mother itself prepared for use for Yom Tlubb because the mother itself, because it's a larger animal, requires a more intense trapping, one that makes it more easily accessible for shrita. But the baby, of course, which is a little bit more feeble, doesn't have the ability to escape the enclosure. Therefore, it's considered to be trapped but Lamaisa is only considered to be trapped if what? If Lamaisa, person had intent to access it on Yom Tov. How do we determine intent? So, intent, of course, can be determined explicit intent, but in the absence of explicit intent, we rely on situational intent. And situational intent would be if the Gina, if the paradise is close to the city, therefore the assumption is that a person does have in mind Lamaisa to go, a person has in mind, knows about it, and intends to go out and use it. But if the Gina is very far, then Lamaisa, the assumption is that a person either doesn't know about it or even if he does know about it, doesn't intend to use it on Yom Tov. Says the Mishnah, Beheymah Mesukhenes lo Yishchel, was another very interesting case. You should not shecht a Behema Mesukhenes, What's we'll say means an animal that is in danger of dying. So what's the issue over here? Look at Rashi behiyom isukenes shehu yarei shekvar elamachmas we'll have What's listen to this case? So now over here, what's happening is the following: a person has a person has an animal that's very sick. So if you have an animal that's very sick, what's the fast? What's what do you want to do immediately? You want to check that as quickly as possible. Why? Because you're both saying, you see, we can't relate to this as much, but animals are expensive. Animals are expensive. So again, you know, just, just somebody came to me, asked me about, uh, I never heard of this before, about a hip replacement for a dog. Mamish never heard of such a thing like this. Mm-hmm. So, so so, again, was, the amazing part was not to place for a dog. The amazing part was the cost of it. It was $3,000 to go ahead. And I said, how many dogs can you buy for $3,000? She said, okay, so any event. So the Gemara says, I'm, I'm sorry? <laughs> so shech did. I don't know why I brought that up. But okay, in any event, so the Gemara said the following. The Gemara said, it's my first dog hip replacement Shiloh in my, in my rabbinic career so it was, uh, got a whole chapter in my biography so yeah, so the Gemara says the following. so the Mishnah says like this so again, if you had a behemoth, if you had an animal that was in danger of dying you wanted to shech that as quickly as possible because if that animal died, obviously that is a huge loss the case Rashi says they were dealing with over here is the following now under normal circumstances this shouldn't be a problem because you're allowed to shech on Yom Tov the issue over here is, let's say again, I've already eaten lunch I've already said so, Sunny, so I I had my Yom Tov meal. I actually don't need any more meat. Rashi says, Shuyare Shamatamos, the inutzorichlaw, shekvar sa odsu daso. I don't I don't I already had my meal. Elamakmas have said who But so really, to be honest, I don't actually want it. I don't want the meat. I mean, again, I'll eat. I mean, Come on, all right, but but again, but I don't need the meat now, but I want to shecht the animal because I want to avoid a major loss. So the Gemara says, so so you could shecht it as long as what, as long as there's enough time during the day, mean enough time left in Yom Tov to at least eat a kizayis of meat roasted. Now, why does the Gemara say roasted? Because we've seen already it takes much less time to prepare roasted meat than it does cooked meat because remember if you cook meat there's a much more intense salting process as opposed to if you roast meat you only have to salt it lightly because the assumption is that the fire itself draws out the majority of the blood so the Mishnah therefore says you could it essentially as long as there's technically enough time to go ahead and, to go ahead and, to go ahead and eat at least the kezayis of salt, of, of roasted meat, you can go ahead and the Rashi, he says, Lo yishchot ele imken yodeh sheishos b'yom leechol kezayis t'himeno, fine. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, "Afilo kezayis chai m'beis t'vichasa. Rabbi Akiva says, no, you could shecht it even if there's only enough time to eat a kezayis of raw meat, literally m'beis t'vichasa means from the area which you slaughter the animal. Rashi says, so we'll say, "Why does Rabbi Akiva say 'based Because when you shecht an animal, remember what happens is not only do you do you shecht the animal, but by definition, the place where you cut, you also end up skinning the animal. So because of that, that's already ready to be eaten. So Rabbi Akiva essentially says, as long as there's enough time to even eat a kezayis chai. A of raw meat from base tivichas from the area of slaughter. You're still you're allowed to go in and shekh the animal on Yom Tov. Now we'll discuss what Rabbi Akiva does with the blood issue. We'll get to that. So the Gemara says shechtah basada If you shecht an animal in the field, we will say this is an unrelated case right now. This I mean it, it could be related. It doesn't have to be related. But the idea is, I shechted an animal, whether it's a Mr. Kennis or not. I shechted it in the field. So the time, remember, when people would shecht, so how do you go how do you transport an animal when you shecht? So it's like what you, what you imagine, you know, you shecht the animal, you tie it by its legs to, a, to a, a pole or a post, and two people carry it in, so you should not do that on Yom Tov, the Mishnah says. Rashi says, Rabbos says very interesting kinds of of shamil means it's a degrading thing, meaning that this looks like a weekday activity. This is how people carry animal carcasses during the week, and therefore the you shouldn't do this on Yom Tov. So what should you do? Dismember the animal out in the field and carry it in piece by piece. Okay? So it says the Gemara. Omer Rabbi bar Aba. Omer Rabbi bar Aba. Omer Rami Bar Abba, excuse me. Half sheet vinituach ba'ola. Rami Bar Amos says about the following Baisai. Half vini V'nituach means half means skinning the animal. Nituach means dismembering the animal, cutting up the animal into pieces. This is a halacha by Ola. So we'll said, by carbon, by carbon, we know again, carbonos are offered up a varm. Even animal even an animal, an ola, is an animal that is totally consumed in the Mizbeach. So even an animal that's totally consumed in the Mizbeach, you don't just bring the animal, the carcass, throw it onto the Mizbeach, but rather what happens? The animal itself is skinned and cut up into pieces, and the pieces themselves are brought up on the Mizbeach. And Rai Barachama says, and this is the same halacha for butchers. For butchers, we'll say, what does that mean? The Torah is teaching us what does it mean, <laughs> that a person shouldn't eat meat before the animal is skinned and dismembered. So the idea is over here what we is teaching us is that etiquette, is that, and etiquette is you don't just, because technically speaking, you could shecht an animal, you could shecht an animal pull down the hide a little bit Carve out for yourself a piece of meat and roast it. Sri Bar says the truth is, you should treat your private meat just like we do sacrificial meat. And just like sacrificial meat, the animal is for skin, the animal is dismembered. That's what you should do with your personal meat as well. La'afukei mai, excuse me, Dimara says, My commandment orders has come to teach us. la la'afuke me huna. If you want to say that it comes to exclude the position of Rav Huna, what does Rav Huna say? No, Rav Huna. So we'll say, Rav Huna says that when an animal is alive, it has a cheskas iser. What does it mean it has a cheskas iser? So Rav we'll Huna say when an animal is alive, it has a cheskas iser, and that it's Iver Menachai. You can't eat anything from that animal. You can't eat flesh from that animal because it's called Iver Menachai. It has a, what we call a cheskas iser. Until you know for sure that it was shechted properly, Nishchita, Once you know it was shechted properly, becheskas Then "Here's what's interesting. You see, when you shech an animal, interestingly enough, so you don't at the moment that you shech it. So the Shaila is, can you know? Listen, so I shech the animal. I want to carve out a little piece of flesh and I want to roast it. What's the problem? You don't really know if that animal is kosher until when." until you open it up because there could be something wrong with the lungs there could be something wrong with the intestines there could be something else Since interesting enough Rav says excuse me Rav Huna says that when you shakt an animal it is b'chaskas at We'll say, according to according to Rav Huna, <laughs> an animal that shechted has a cheskas kashrus until you know until you know that it's not kosher. V'hana but we learned v'hana sekid and yet we learned we learned like ravuna This n'an Rabbi Akiva Omer, excuse this Kiva Rabbi Akiva Omer, because Zayis Chaimi based tvi So I we'll say, am so sorry. Let's stop here for just a moment. So I we'll according to Rav Huna, according to Rav Huna, something very interesting. According to Rav Huna. You don't need to fully skin and dismember an animal before eating it. Why? Because mice, again, an animal that had a proper shita. Has a cheskas kashrus until you know definitively otherwise. So according to Rafuna, it could be that you ate a couple of pieces of meat already, and then once you get to the lungs, you realize, oh my gosh, the animal is a trefa. Okay, now the chazaka's changed. But Lamaisa, the chazaka between the time of the Shekhita and now, it tells you that the animal is kosher, therefore I could eat it. So the Gemara now says, it would appear that our Mishnah reflects the view of Rafuna. Why? Our Mishnah reflects the view of Because what, Raf- what do Rafuna say? Rafuna is not quoted in our Mishnah, but Rabbi Akiva is This the Rabbi Akiva What does Rabbi Akiva for? Rabbi Akiva says that you could shecht a behema misukenes, you could shecht a deathly ill animal as long as there's what? Enough time to eat a kezayis of raw meat from the area where the animal was slaughtered. So the Gemara says Does this not mean that it means literally from the area where the animal was slaughtered, meaning mamish, raw meat, Raw meat from the... Air, and again, Rabosai, obviously if you're eating it from the air where the animal was slaughtered, what does that mean? Bless you. What does that mean? It means that you have not yet checked the insides of the animal. This would seem to reflect the view of Refuna. To which the one says, no, 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 That's not what Beis T'chassa means. Lo mimakom shetovachas achilasa. It means that you are permitted to eat from the place in which it breaks down its food. Which refers to what, Ravosai, The kishkas, the intestines. Rashi says, last Rashi on the daf, she tavachas achilasa from its intestines the food is digested there so in fact Rabbi Akiva may actually be saying that you can eat it but what? you actually have enough, to have enough time on Yom Tov to open it up and to be able to save the animal's kosher but the man says one second but yet, Rabbi Akiva in his commentary on this Mishnah says no! Rabbi Akiva means what? Rabbi Akiva means what? literally the of Hashchita so you see that Rabbi Akiva holds like Rav Huna that, what? that as soon as you that an animal has a cheskas kashrus, you may eat of the animal immediately, even prior to any kind of internal inspection of the animal. So remember, why are we getting into this? Let's not lose sight of what we're trying to do. Rami Bar Abba said that we should treat our personal meat like sacrificial meat and the same way that sacrificial meat is skinned and dismembered prior to quote-unquote consumption or prior to offering, so to my personal meat should be skinned and, and dismembered prior to consumption. So why is Rami Bar Chama saying this? So, so possibility number one might be that what? That he's coming to exclude the position of Rafuna. because according to Rafuna, you do not need an animal to be skinned and dismembered prior to consumption because rafuna Said that as soon as you shech the an animal, the animal has a cheskas kashrus, and that's it. You're done. So it could be that Rami Bar Chama is coming to say that does not follow. Does not follow. Rav On the other hand, we have Rabbi Akiva in the Mishnah and Rabbi Chia who explicitly say that you can eat from an animal without internal inspection because as a cheskas kashrus, as soon it was shechted. If that's the case, then what is Rami Bar Chama coming to teach me, Rami Bar Abba? Excuse me. So the Gemara says Ela Rami Bar Abba of the days Orach Ara Kamashwaman. Rather, what is Rami Bar Amma coming to teach you, say? Rami Bar Amma is coming to teach me etiquette. Etiquette, proper manners. So Rami Bar is coming to teach me. You know what? It's proper etiquette that you should not eat from the meat of an animal until the animal has been skinned and the animal has been dismembered. Because if you eat from the animal earlier than that, it looks a little gluttonous, it looks a little ravenous. Kidisanya, as we learned, lo yochal adam shum ubatom erosho. A person should not eat an onion or garlic from the top. From the top, rather, rather Ella may alav. Rather he should eat it from its leaves. And I both say leaves in this in this in this context really means from its bottom. Look at Rashi. <laughs> a number of different etiquette ideas that were brought down by the Tanoim. So you see here, the Chazal teach us not just halacha, Chazal teach us etiquette as well, that a person should present a proper image. So so too, when Rami Bar Amma said not to go ahead and eat from the animal before it's skinned and dismembered, Rami Bar Amma saying, you shouldn't look gluttonous. So will here, the Chazal tell us, what's the right way to eat, uh, to eat eat a... an onion or garlic, is don't eat it from the top, eat it from the bottom. Now what's the chap? Apparently, if you eat it from the top, you could just bite right into it. From the bottom, that's where the leaves are. You have to peel back the leaves. So peeling back the leaves means you're going to have to peel the onion, you're going to have to peel the garlic, you're going to have to take the time to prepare it properly for use. And the Maisa, it's just a more refined way of eating. And if you eat it, if you just bite it down from the top. This is Ravasan, I say, literally means like a, a ravenous individual. A ravenous individual. Similarly, I will say, how to drink wine. Don't drink your cup of wine at once, don't, don't gulp it down. And if you drink it down like that, Hare you are a guzzler. That's not a good thing. I want to be clear on that. As you're, you're a guzzler, the rabbis taught. If someone gulps down their wine at once, such a person is a guzzler. If you drink your cup in two gulps, that's appropriate. If you sip it, if you sip it three gulps, that's arrogance. That's arrogance, okay? Okay, so the you so I know but Amra said khatsuva mikater ragley ragley ragleyun dirishay. So this word say khatsuva rashi points out over here if you look at rashi khatsuva mikater ragley dirishay asaf shashshav nokvin the Yardin baomek the the mispashed let's study in class. So say khatsuva so so is a plant. And the interesting part about the Chatsuva plant is its roots grow straight down. They do not branch out. So Rashi points out over here, interestingly enough, that the chatsuva was a plant that was often used to demarcate property lines. Demarcate property lines, because it doesn't, it just grows straight down. So the Gemara says over here that the chatsuva literally cuts off the legs of the wicked because the chatsuva reminds us to be honest and to stick to our own property. So the Khatsuva, the chatsuva, so to speak, is like the prosecutor over the wicked, whose, 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 um, whose roots are m'spashet, go everywhere into everyone else's property, trying to take their property. Netia mekatea raglehun Well, it's another interesting case. Netia <speaking> in <Hebrew> over here, according to Rashi, means netias <speaking in Hebrew> orla. Torah, bless you. So the concept of Arla that I have to wait three years before partaking of the fruit of the tree teaches me what Rebosai, teaches me the concept of patience. So this concept of patience is an important is, is this this goes ahead and is a musir to the butchers, because sometimes the butchers. Go ahead and start cutting up the meat before the animal is fully is fully skinned and dismembered, so it teaches the butchers to be patient and. The boalinidos. nidos so we'll say boalinidos nidos is a man who has relations with his wife while she's still in Nida. So what's the issue? What is, what's the issue that that person has? That individual lacks patience. The whole concept of Arla is to teach us you have to have patience. And if you have patience, that which you want will become permitted to you. But again, patience represents this idea of self-restraint. So the, the Arla tree is the Musr to the butchers who don't skin and properly dismember the animal, as well as those who are Bo'al-Nidos. I will say, tourmisso is a type of bean that is very bitter and it has to be cooked seven times. And once it's cooked seven times, it actually becomes very sweet. So this literally cuts off, cuts off the feet of the enemies of the Jewish people, which is a euphemism for sinners. So the Torah is an incredible mussar for the sinners of the Jewish people. Shana'emar, because the pasuk says here the Gemara is quoting the pasuk from Shoftim. The Jewish people continue to do that, which is negative in the eyes of God. And the Gemara over here, the the Ravi quotes seven different avodasaras that they worship. Ves ashtaros, the ves eloki aram, ves eloki tidon, ves eloki maav, ves eloki elohei bnei amon, ves elohi plishtim, vayazu es hashem, v'lo So I will say they worshipped all of these avodas and they were punished each time, but they still kept worshiping. They forsake, they forsook God. They, they literally, they left Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and they did not serve Him. So Gemara says, I don't understand me. Vayazu es hashem, eni odei Now we will say the fact that the Gemara, so Gemara asks the fact that the pasuk says. That they left God, they left God. does that not automatically tell me that they did not serve? God is that not understood? Why does it have to say that they left God and they didn't serve him? God said, "A. These people are even worse than the turmos, because at least the banai. you know, my children aren't even like the turmos bean. Turmos bean is bitter, and it's difficult, but when you cook it seven times, it becomes sweet. My children, I've cooked them seven times already. I've punished them over and over and over and over, and yet what? And yet what? They still don't sweeten up. They still don't go in and serve me. Tanam Mishmid Rabbi Meir. So rebright is the name of Rabbi Meir. Why was the Torah given to the Jewish people? Because they are difficult. And I will say, what does that mean? Look at Rashi Shein ozin, The Nitna Lahem Torah, Kocham, Such a profound statement. Klal Israel possesses incredible energy. The problem is without and without Torah that energy is often used in destructive ways. What Torah does is it channels the energy of a person. What it also does is Torah weakens you. Right? When a person has the, 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 the responsibility of Torah on their so- shoulders, a person engages themselves in the exhaustive process of Talmud Torah, it saps you of energy, which could be a good thing, <coughs> because that's also energy that could be potentially used in, wrong, in, in, in negative directions. So the Gemara says, Torah was given to Kalei Sram, Nei Because we're difficult, because we're brazen, Torah humbles us. Tan so the passage says from his right hand, from his right hand, he gave the present of fiery law to them, these people are worthy of receiving fiery law, there are others that say, the ways of this people, the Jewish people, are like fire, the say we, we are a fiery people, we are an intense people. So the Gemara says, Work not the fact that we got Torah. And Rabbo say Torah tempers our fire a little bit. Ein kol uma bifneihem. No other nation would be able to stand up to us. Lakish. And this is where Lakish said, There are three things in this world that are brazen and strong. Yisrael Umos, the Jewish people among the nations. Kelev the dog among the animals. Ternegol ba'ofos, the chicken among birds. Ve'yish'omrim af eiz b'meheman Others say the goat with small animals. The Islamar Aft the Keeper bush, when it comes to trees. <coughs> the reason why the caper bush is considered to be so az is because Tosa's points that actually. Tulsa says because the keeper bush, every single part of it can be eaten. Every part is edible. And second of all, it always bears fruit. It never backs down in front of the seasons. It's not a seasonal, it's not a seasonal plant. Always bears fruit throughout the entire year. Okay, let's go a little bit weiter. Remember, what did the Mishnah say? That if you shachted it in the field, you may not go ahead and bring it on the pole, but you have to dismember it and bring it in piece by piece. A blind person may not go out with his staff on Yom Tov. Then I will say, this is talking about this. This case over here is where the blind person could get around without the staff. So the blind person does not really need the staff to go ahead and, and help him but whatever, he just usually brings up a little bit of additional support we tell him on Yom Tov not to bring it out because again of Uvdul Dechol, has the appearance of weekday-like activity obviously if he needs it, of course he could take it V'lo hara similarly again the shepherd should not go out with his pouch on Yom Tov also because again Rashi points out in sumi yotze b'mak havi derech chol Zilus Yom Tov These are all considered to be weekday-like activities and therefore, you can't do it because it, it, it diminishes the sanctity of Yom Tov and you can't go out with a chair. Now we'll say what this is referring to over here, if you look at Rashi, Yotsubiki, say, Shetohan other than Yosha So we'll say, this is talking about over here, a type of chair that's carried by others. So let's say you can't, you can't sit on a chair and have it carried by others on Yom Tov. Now the assumption over here is because also again, this has the appearance of weekday-like activity. isha, And this is true for both a man as well as for a woman. Ini, is that true? Is that true? The hush shallach. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna stop here for today. We'll pick up right here Mirat's Hashem tomorrow. The hushalach.